Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. A fellow pastor in my local area contacted me recently, and he was very disappointed with me. He was very disappointed because I was making some very strong statements on my radio program with regards to certain beliefs. And of course, while I seem to be new to him, these subjects are certainly not new to me, and he just felt that it was appropriate for him to contact me and share some insights with me that apparently I had no idea about, and that through his assistance I would be conformed more to his image, I suppose. This happens every once in a while, and I do appreciate the sincerity that most people have and the desire that people have to help others, but in general, I am very opinionated. I am a man of very deep conviction. And as I was speaking with this person, he was questioning where I'm coming from and where do I get these ideas that I have and what makes me think that people actually believe some of the things that I say that they believe in my writings or in my radio programs. He was asking me where I get these ideas from. And so I asked him how long he had been pastoring his church. And when he told me how long he had been pastoring his church and I could get a reasonable approximation with regards to what his age was, I could tell that he had not really been out very often, that his whole life had been about this particular congregation that he was a part of, and there certainly is nothing wrong with that at all. It's just that he hadn't been out very often, and apparently he had not been having many conversations with other people who were not a part of his congregation. And so I told him that. I told him, I said, look, if you want some evidence with regards to what I'm saying, then perhaps you need to get out a little bit more often. Maybe you need to start talking to a few other people who are not part of your church. Maybe if you did that, then you would see that what I am saying is actually true. Because I have spent many years out there with many churches in many cities, in many states, in many countries. I have met with thousands and thousands of people from all walks of life, saved, unsaved, one denomination or another denomination, I have been involved in ministering to other people for a long time, and I have listened to people. I'm not talking about just talking to people. I'm talking about listening to people and asking them questions about the things that are important to them and asking them about their relationship with Christ Jesus and asking them about the adventure that they have had in growing to know him and in that pursuit How have they come to know him, and what do they truly believe about him now? I have done this for most of my life, and every once in a while I still go out and visit with other churches, with other Bible studies, and I generally don't tell them anything about who I am. I don't walk in and say, Hi, I am pastor so-and-so, evangelist such-and-such, or that I have this radio ministry. I don't tell people about that. I just walk in, people ask me what my name is, I give them my first name, and then I just go on. I'm there to listen. I'm there to pay attention. I'm there to learn. If there's anything to be learned, I will look to see what it is. No question about that whatsoever. And so while I have done this in the past, I still do it today, and I intend to do it in the future. 
I had an interesting conversation with one fellow, though, a very interesting conversation. It was very simple. I was sitting at a table talking with a few people, and he mentioned to me, he just opened up to me, he said, I have been a Christian for about nine years. He said he'd been following the Lord Jesus as best he could, and he has been studying the Bible with just about every minute of spare time that he's been able to acquire throughout the past nine years or so. And he looked in my eyes and he said with great sincerity and with great concern, he said to me, Aaron, I feel as though I am further away from Jesus than when I first got saved. And I asked him, why did he feel that that was the case? Did he feel as though he had drifted away somehow? And why did he suppose that he had drifted away? He said he had no idea why. He said that he had been aggressively pursuing him. He had participated in just about every denomination in his local area, and he found one particular group, the group that I was visiting at that time and seeing him there. He found this particular group, and he felt that he would just stay here until the Lord would show him what to do or what to believe so that he could actually know the Lord Jesus. It's a very powerful statement and a very honest statement. And I want you to know that this is not an unusual statement. What was so unusual was just the way that he said it and the conviction that was behind him and the desire to really know the Lord. And he didn't know anything about me. I suppose that it was just because he saw that I was a person of conviction. Many people do. And they see that I have sincere beliefs, whether they agree with my beliefs or not. They can tell that I believe what I believe, and I have reasons for why I believe what I do. And with that, perhaps I can tend to be abrasive sometimes, but it's only because I am a man of very deep conviction about what I believe and why. And so he shares this with me, and it certainly is not unusual. A lot of people struggle with this. Perhaps you struggle with this. How can you be a Christian for so long and yet feel further away from your God than when you first got saved? This is a drifting away that many people struggle with. I believe that the writer to the Hebrews in his letter, the letter to the Hebrews, expresses this in chapter 2, verse 1. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, it says, For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Well, of course, we won't escape. We won't escape the condemnation that we certainly deserve if we are not saved, and we certainly cannot escape if we do not have a firm understanding of the gospel and hold to it. Of course, it does need to be the true gospel, and there are many variations with regards to what people believe about what the gospel is. But in this program, I just want to take some time to focus on this notion of drifting away, because a lot of people feel as though they have drifted away. And you know what? If you feel like you've drifted away, chances are you've drifted away. It's quite possible. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to experience the wrath of God. I don't believe that. I do believe that if a person turns to him for his grace and mercy at some point in his life and receives the free gift of eternal life, that they are saved. I'm not saying that a person isn't saved and that a person will not have a place in the kingdom of heaven. I do believe that they will. But when it comes to drifting away, 
It's very easy to do because there are many things in this world and in churches that are promoted, that are taught, that people believe, that do cause them to actually drift away. Probably the most powerful message that I believe the writer of the Hebrews relates is actually given in chapter 10, and it will take me some time to get to chapter 10, but I will get to chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 and 27, he said, For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries of God. A very powerful statement and has worried many people, and for good reason. I do sincerely believe that when he mentions sinning willfully, I believe that that has to do with rejecting the finality of the cross and rejecting the forgiveness of sins that you truly have. But I will come back to that in more detail when I do get to chapter 10. Here in chapter 2, however, he does initiate at the beginning of his letter the importance of salvation. And the fundamental core of salvation truly is the forgiveness of sins. Without the forgiveness of sins, you could not have salvation. That is what is required in order to be saved. And of course, I do not believe that getting your sins forgiven is what saves you. I believe that it is the restoration of the Holy Spirit that saves you and that the forgiveness of sins will prevent the Holy Spirit from ever departing from you because the wages of sin is death, but because there is no sin that is no longer held against you, you will not die, which means that the life of God will not depart from within you, the Holy Spirit will not depart from within you, and so you will experience salvation permanently, and the life that you now have will take you on into eternity even after you physically die. I do believe that forgiveness is the core aspect of salvation that enables a person to be saved, that salvation is the restoration of the life of God. However, there are many people and many theologies also that exist out there that people believe that contradict the truth that we have been completely forgiven. And I do believe that this is why people drift away from what they heard. Let me give you a very simple example. Have you heard that Jesus died for your sins, past, present, and future? And because he has died for your sins, he does not hold your sins against you anymore. I would venture to say that you have heard that that is true. And so if I assume that you have heard that, how long did it take for you to hear this message shortly after you heard that? If you sin, then if you do not confess and acknowledge that you have sinned and ask for forgiveness, then your God turns his back on you. In fact, he may find it necessary to intervene in your life and punish you until you do. Have you ever heard something like that? Have you ever heard that your sin will not separate you from your entrance into heaven, but it certainly will separate you from your God so that you will not have fellowship with him anymore? Have you heard something like, if you do not participate in the Lord's Supper, the sacrament that is dispensed at your congregation, then you will not have an opportunity to receive the forgiveness of sins in your life? Have you heard anything that sounds like that? Well, if that's the case, then that is a contradiction in comparison to the forgiveness that has been executed. 
Because you either obtain forgiveness by his crucifixion, by what he did for you, or you now obtain forgiveness by what you do for him. And you can't have it both ways. A lot of people think that they can, and when they do, there's only one path that you can walk down, and that is to devote the rest of your life trying to keep yourself forgiven. That's all you can do. And that, to me, is drifting away from the forgiveness that you have already been given. How many times have you heard something like, if you obey God, then you will be pleasing to God? Well, how can you be pleasing to God through your obedience? If that was true, then you're going to be displeasing to God according to your disobedience. And is that the wages of sin? Is that the penalty for sin? The wages of sin used to be death, but now he's just disappointed. Now he's just displeased. Sin really isn't that serious. As soon as you believe something that makes you think that sin is not as serious as it truly is, you have drifted away from the importance of his forgiveness. You have drifted away from the foundation of salvation. And until you correct this error, this lie, until you dispose of it completely, you will remain apart from your God. And it could take years before you discover this. One day you'll just wake up or you'll be talking with somebody at a table like this fellow was speaking with me, and you'll wonder, how did this happen? How could this have happened? I was promised, people promised me that if I would believe what they were telling me, if I would do everything they told me to do, if I would stop doing all those things they told me to stop doing, that I would be closer to God. And today, I'm not. What happened? What went wrong? And you truly have to go all the way back to the beginning to resolve this. It is the subject of forgiveness that causes so many people to drift away. With regards to the Hebrews, the people who this writer was writing to, they had an incredible temptation before them that would cause them to drift away. And I'm not talking about the usual sins that we think about that we struggle with today. I'm talking about the temptation of the temple, the temptation of the culture, the temptation of the Hebraic society, the temptation of the law. That was an incredibly powerful temptation that would cause them to drift away from Christ Jesus. And this is how it happens. It happens today just the same as it happened back then. As soon as somebody comes to you and says something like, look, if you will be obedient to God, then God will bless you. Now your whole life will be directed to trying to be obedient to God so that he will bless you. And you know what? You're never, ever going to obey all of his commandments. And so as he promised in Deuteronomy chapter 28, you will not be blessed at all. He didn't say if you obeyed a few of his commandments, then he would give you a fractional percentage of the blessings that he was offering. He said you had to obey all of the commandments. There is no fractional blessing that he's going to dispense for your great efforts. You have to really obey. You have to really do it. But what does this mean? This means that if you do not obey, then you are going to be cursed. And of course, there are lots of people that feel like they're being cursed as it is already, and so to have an opportunity to be blessed can be even more attractive. 
But what this means is, is that you don't believe in the forgiveness of sins. Because if you did believe, if you would believe, if you would truly trust in the forgiveness that he has already executed, then you would know that there is no sin that he will ever hold against you, either a sin of commission or a sin of omission, whether you obey or don't obey, whether you repent or don't repent, none of that has any bearing at all in your relationship with Christ Jesus because there is no punishment that can be executed against you anymore because he has already taken all of the punishment upon himself on your behalf. So again, either you believe in the complete forgiveness of sins or you don't believe in the complete forgiveness of sins. But the law can be so attractive when talking about blessings or rewards or anything that you may be able to obtain from your God. He may cause his face to shine upon you. He would be pleased with you. He would no longer be ashamed of you. He would no longer be disgusted with you. These are things that appeal to people and causes them to drift away from the forgiveness of sins. Because if you would truly rest in the complete forgiveness that you have, then you would know that because of what he's done, he is fully pleased with you. He is fully accepting of you. He is not ashamed of you. And you would believe that. You would truly believe that and rest in the conviction of that truth. And so you would not drift away. You would live a life of dependency and trust in what he has already done. Do not underestimate the power of the law in this regard. The Hebrews were confronted with this. This was the primary struggle that the Hebrews had. And I sincerely believe that the subject of forgiveness is the key subject here in this letter to the Hebrews. Because if they would truly believe in it, then they would be set free from the law then they would be set free to live a life of thankfulness in what Jesus has done for them as opposed to trying to live a life of trying to do something for Jesus. If the word of the Lord that was given through angels was something that people needed to take seriously, then the words of the Lord Jesus are something that need to be taken even more seriously. Do not drift away from his message. What was his message? His message was, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, otherwise you will in no way enter the kingdom of heaven. That was his message. To a people who believed that they had already obtained perfection or that they could obtain perfection. To believe the message of the Lord Jesus and to take him seriously would eventually lead you to the point of recognizing that you have no hope of ever being saved. And at that point, you are then a candidate, finally, to be saved. Because the criteria that is necessary to fulfill in order to be saved is a simple criteria, and that is that you have to acknowledge that you have no hope outside of His mercy at all. No hope whatsoever. And once you recognize that, then you live your entire life recognizing that you have no hope outside of his mercy. Now, we struggle with this same issue today. Many people really battle with this, and I believe this is what causes people to drift away from salvation, drift away from the Lord Jesus and the salvation that he's given to them. 
They drift away because we are consumed. The entire Christian world is consumed with trying to get all the sin out of their life. People are consumed with trying to be obedient to God. People are consumed with trying to be pleasing to God, with trying to be right with God, with trying to be blessed by God. That's what people are consumed with. I mean, it's incredible the number of people who struggle with this. And if they will only believe that they have already been forgiven, then they would never fall temptation to these dangerous traps and drift away from the salvation that they have. But people do. People do struggle with this. Just about every Christian denomination can be defined on the basis of the laws that the people try to live in obedience to. And they may not be explicitly given in the scriptures, but implicitly you can tell what those laws are. People will tell you what's acceptable and what's not acceptable if you hang around them long enough. So it doesn't matter what these commandments are. What does matter is that when you try to live a life in obedience to these commandments, when you try to change your life in this way, you will drift away from Him. Now, I realize that most everyone responds to what I've just said by saying something like, well, then what's going to keep people from sinning? And I can tell you that what people are doing right now is not keeping them from sinning. That should be obvious. And so whatever I'm going to tell you in response to that question, it had better be different from what everybody else is telling you. Because what everybody else is telling you isn't keeping anybody from sinning. I understand that perhaps on occasion you might be able to get somebody's flesh under control, but people's hearts are not being changed. And I know this because I've been there. And I've done that, and I've visited with people, and I can tell that people try so hard. I mean, people are trying so hard in order to change their hearts, in order to change their lives out of great sincerity. And boy, do I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for these people. I really do, because they're trying so hard and nothing is changing. And I'll tell you why. The reason why is very simple. is because people are not being loved. It's because they're not really being accepted. You know, the reasons why we pursue sin are very simple. We pursue sins because we want to. And the reason why we want to is because we want to be loved. We want to be accepted. We want people to want us. That's why we sin. And if you are not loved by your God, if you're not accepted by your God, if you don't see that He is pleased with you, that He wants you, that He is not ashamed of you, then you truly have no alternative but to turn to sin to get a break, to get a temporary break at least from your whole life of trying to get right with God. Because until you are, you're not. And if you're not, then that means that it's all on you. It's your fault. And if it's your fault, then that means it depends on you. And if it depends on you, then that means you do not believe that it is finished. That's why it depends on you. You have to believe that it's finished. Not so that you can go out and indulge your flesh. That's not why he does that. You certainly can. Look, you do it anyway. What's the big deal? You're not losing anything by recognizing that he doesn't hold your sins against you anymore. It doesn't change anything. You're going to indulge your flesh just the same anyway. No. He sets you free from the indulgence of the flesh, from your pursuit of your sins in your life, only because he fulfills the needs you have in the deepest part of your being. But if you do not believe that he has forgiven you of your sins, you will drift away. It'll be a drifting away That's gradual. And you may drift away for years and years before finally one day you wake up and you think, I don't know the Lord. I don't know Him. I know my church. 
I know the laws that I'm supposed to follow. I know the things that I'm supposed to do. I know the things that I'm not supposed to do. I know how much I'm supposed to give. I know how much time I should be volunteering. I know how many people I'm supposed to be nice to this week. I know all that stuff, but I do not know the person of Christ Jesus. I feel further away from him than when I first got saved. And why? Because you were distracted. Because somebody gradually pulled you away. It was a drifting that took place. They pulled you away, in general out of great sincerity, sometimes just because they deliberately want to pull you away from God. I understand that happens on occasion, but in general, people are very sincere about wanting to help you get closer to the Lord, but you eventually find out that you're no closer to Him than when you first got started. And my friend, if you're in this situation, I'm glad you're finally listening to me, because I really believe that I know where you're at, and I really believe I know exactly what you need to revisit, what you need to think about, if you're going to be set free from this. And while you may certainly go into heaven, my friend, you got a life still to live while you're still here. And you're definitely still here. You're here right now, and you've got a few years to go at least. And so don't waste that time. Revisit the subject of forgiveness. Revisit the subject of law and grace. Revisit the subject of your identity in Christ, who you are. Revisit the subject of the Sermon on the Mount. Revisit the scriptures once again. But now you must look at the scriptures, clearly dividing between the Old and the New Covenants, and clearly dividing between before the cross and after the cross, and look to see what are the true implications of the forgiveness that you now have. Otherwise, you will continue to drift away and never return to the point of salvation which is where you truly need to go to start over again. My friend, please do contact me or take a look at the website that I've constructed. I've put a lot of information there. I've put a lot of studies there. And I have done this work so that I can assist you to strip away these barriers that prevent you from resting in what Christ Jesus has already done for you. Do take the time to pursue this. The Lord has revealed His truth. He has revealed his truth and made it available to you so that you can be set free and grow to know who he is. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. 